Welcome everybody to Sports Nuts and Beer Guts, episode 48. Hope you enjoyed last week's uh, bracket bash that we had going on. We're going to talk a little bit of sports. Um, got, got some news going on. We got some world record-breaking si- contracts being signed. Um, we got a top 10 um, high school basketball player that committed to a historical, historically black college for the first time in basically forever. Um, we got some funny names in sports, and we're going to bash on Bryson DeChambeau for a little bit. But to get things started off here, guys, we had the 4th of July, and I don't know about you guys, but it was uh, a bit crazy here in the neighborhood. I think because you couldn't go anywhere to watch fireworks, everybody decided they were just going to have their own massive firework display in the neighborhood. Sounds which, awful. Well, so you would think... I bet we were asleep. I was going fishing the next morning, so we were asleep by about 11 o'clock, and I did not hear a firework after that because I think people, it was a Saturday, they were so ready. They started letting them off at like 6, and then had just run out of fireworks, so we didn't have the typical 1, 2 a.m. I'm having to walk down the street like, hey, man, I got kids. Can you stop? Um, so, Higman, what was your favorite thing about the 4th this year, a, a quite different 4th, I assume? Yeah, yeah, we didn't didn't do a ton. Um, grilled some healthy options this Ooh. year, and it was really good. So that was uh, that was probably our highlight. That was that was good. Nice, Chris. Did you also grill some healthy options? Um, I guess the cheese dip's technically healthy if you're going low carb. Um, <laughs> the bacon wait, wait, wrap. Wait. <laughs> We're seeing we a world where we're talking about cheese or dip being healthy. <laughs> it's low carb. There you go. Um, but yeah, the bacon wrapped weenies weren't uh, pork chops. Yeah, grills and pork chops are they're low carb also. So yeah, I guess I did grill healthy out here. Uh, favorite part of the fourth was had some friends over, grilled out. Uh, they have a son, same age as Jameson, and they played around, so kind of occupied them. Least favorite part of the fourth fireworks. Logan was talking about <laughs> yeah. two a.m. fireworks show. Yep, never fails. It not only did it happen on July fourth and July fifth, some reason July seventh it happened too. Don't know why, <laughs> but we're still celebrating over here. So hopefully it ends sooner than later because I hate fireworks. Well, y'all just love America more in Manchester than we do in Knoxville, evidently. Um, best thing about the fireworks for me is. I now have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and they're old enough to just kind of know what's going on when it comes to fireworks. They're not screaming and yelling and, you know, holding their ears kind of thing. But we had a little incident at the neighborhood firework display this year where a couple of the, not the big granddaddy 500-gram fireworks, but some of the medium-sized fireworks decided to tip over and shoot. Um, So one of them shot across this valley into a neighbor's front yard. Another one shot across to the neighbor, then flipped and ended up shooting into the dude's garage. His van's got like spark marks and like all over his floor. This thing blew Ooh. up. And so when that one happened, all the kids ran inside and decided they were going to watch the rest of the show inside. Um, so right about, kids. Yeah, right about the time all the mamas have had enough of the firework display, two of these fireworks have gone awry. The dude across the street also lets off two giant boxes that 
tip over and shoot right at us. Like if we oh hadn't, if this dude's house hadn't been up on a hill, it would have came another one right into his garage. Uh, so we had some competing fireworks there with the neighbors um, that, you know, add, added to the excitement. Luckily I wasn't the one letting them off, but uh, we had to, uh, we had to engineer a more secure way to let the, uh, the fireworks off to finish the night. And we still left a few fireworks left uh, that have we're going to save till next year. Let's just put it that way because it was getting a little crazy. Um, but luckily, my kids are old enough that it wasn't a big deal. They all had had good fun with it, um, except my daughter who thinks that next year before we start fireworks, we should all get together for a firework safety class. Um, I don't know who's going to lead it, but somebody needs to lead a firework safety class because sounds like she is. We clearly don't know what we're doing over here. Um, and on that note, I'm just going to do my annual rant about. I love fireworks. Uh, I like the sound, like the lights, like the, you know, I'm a big fireworks guy. That being said, I don't understand why any city, state, town, country thinks it's like allows it to be legal for any Yahoo to go buy a bunch of fireworks and just shoot them off when and wherever they want. I don't understand how that's legal. I mean, I thought we were some responsible adults and us and the neighbor across the street were both basically shooting you know, 500 grams of gunpowder at each other, um, could have been, could have been really bad. So I'm, I'm always amazed that it's legal anywhere. Um, but luckily everybody came out unscathed this year. No Jason Pierre Paul injuries. No, nobody lost a finger or two. That's good. Did, um, did we talk last week about the famous Kingsport fireworks incident? Oh, we did not. Okay. So I think it's when we were in college actually, uh, around around 2004-2005, uh, my hometown had a great idea to have fireworks on what they called By the Dawn's Early Light on July 4th, which was a Sunday that year. So they shot off fireworks at like 5 a.m. by the dawn's early light. You can uh. imagine how well that went. I mean, the, the <laughs> just inundated with with phone calls and emergency calls and you know, the city of Kingsport thought they were under fire because this was also during uh, the Iraq war. So it wasn't what? the greatest time. <laughs> 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 it may have been shortly after, but I mean, just a colossal failure, terrible idea. Um, so Kingsport's done some good things. That was not one of them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm a big fireworks guy, so it was my 18th birthday, I guess. Um, and so me and some friends the weekend before had gone, went down to Tennessee to buy some fireworks, and we just thought, hey, my birthday's in September. We're going to let off some fireworks at the soccer field. It's going to be a fun night. Um, my birthday, however, is September 12th, and this would have been the year 2001. And so when September 11th, 2001 happened at the ripe age of 18, me and my friends were smart enough to realize, Hey, probably not going to shoot those fireworks off tomorrow, boys. It's probably not going to be a good idea. Um, glad to know that we are smarter than whoever runs the city of Kingsport. <laughs> you remember you telling me that? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well guys over the last week, like I said, there's some action in the sports world. Patrick Mahomes is getting paid. Patrick Mahomes um, has decided he's going. He's just going to go ahead and sign the, the what's probably going to end up being the biggest contract in sports history. Um, dude has got a ten-year deal. 
Chris, break down. Uh, I know you've read about it. Break down what the deal actually means. Is this a 400, 450, 500 million dollar deal? Um, What's going on? It's basically 10 years and 480 minimum. Uh, the way this, the bonuses are due, he's due uh, basically. So he's going to get 66 million at signing uh, through the first 13 months of it. I think he's going to get like $160 million. Gosh. Uh, basically, so basically, it works out that his contract's guaranteed. Like, so this year he has three years guaranteed. Next year, the fourth year will be guaranteed because he gets the bonus money. The way it is structured there, uh, it's technically set up so that the Chiefs can get out with basically two years of really rough cap hits. If if he was to get hurt, uh, I mean, you're thinking like Alex Smith injury, something like that. Uh, don't wish it on anybody, but I'm just saying that's there is an out for the Chiefs, and uh, as long as he's still good, it kind of works out for Mahomes because as the salary cap grows, assuming it grows, he'll be guaranteed a certain percentage. Not sure what what that is of the salary cap, so you're probably looking at maybe the 20 percent mark. Uh, so he's probably probably going to be guaranteed at least 20 percent of the salary cap. So. Ooh. That's where you get some guys projecting, and that's why we hear like a 500. That's why you have some various numbers, but basically 10, 480 uh, with the chance to go higher. So, Eesh. also um, probably worth it. So, I mean, the dude definitely is is getting paid. A 10 year deal in the NFL mainly is unheard of. I mean, I think baseball players have signed these kind of deals before. They have. Yeah. Um, but because the NFL doesn't guarantee these contracts, you know, most players are going to look at it and say, even if it's 10 years, let's say it's 50 million per year. Well, in 10 years, the average quarterback's going to be making more than 50 million. Um, I mean, for some reason, I was looking up Matt Stafford because of a conversation me and some guys were having. And in 2017, Matt Stafford signed then was the highest, uh, biggest contract in NFL history. 2017, a six-year, $135 million contract. Um, so sports can definitely change a whole lot year to year, especially over 10 years. Um, so Hickman kind of broke down, you know, what would have happened 10 years ago if, you know, who would have been the Mahomes at that point to be offered a deal like this? And what did you find out, Hickey? All right, yeah, so I'm going to sort of break down the NFL landscape in 2010 quarterback-wise, and we can take a look at whether or not um, – it would have been a good decision uh, for a team to do that. And who like the players that would have been in the running. So obviously quarterbacks, the only position in the NFL that this would be a consideration. You're not going to sign your defensive end to a 10 year contract. Um, I mean, unless you were guaranteed Reggie white from 85 to 95 or something, <laughs> that's obviously not, you know, not going to happen, but um, sorry. So 2010, uh, it's interesting how many quarterbacks were, you know, uh, long time starters, with the team. So I'm going to start with the people who were most likely to have uh, been eligible for a deal like that at the time. And uh, now we'll for, go from there. For, compar- for comparison, Mahomes is what, three years into his career? Yeah. yeah well, he's, he's like, what, 25? 25. He's only, he's only played 36 games, it includes he's got, playoffs. He's yeah. got one MVP. Because he sat the whole first year, minus yeah. 17. Okay. So basically, yeah. a two year starter with one MVP and a Super Bowl ring. And very close to two Super Bowl rings. D Ford's not <laughs> offsides. Anyway, um, all right. So the, the 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 guy that would have had that would have been the guy. 2010. The Packers had just won the Super Bowl. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he was 27 at the time. Uh, his stock is super high, had a crazy good playoff run, um, had shown a ton of promise. All right, so 2010, the Packers signed A-Rod to a 10-year deal. What do you guys think? Scale of 1 to 10, good decision, bad decision? 10. Logan? Um, I would put it at about a uh, seven and a half, maybe. And that's just because Aaron Rodgers, by that point, has already kind of shown you he's a little off the wall. He doesn't get along with his family. He doesn't have a ton of friends in the league. Um, the dude's just a little different. And so to commit to him for another 10 years when, um, you know, the dude's not, may not be all, all there upstairs. Uh, he's, he's a tough guy to get. I think at that point you're essentially handing the franchise over to him. Um, uh, what was their head coach? Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy, McCarthy. Um, you know, at that point you're basically telling McCarthy, you know, sit down and shut up because this is Aaron Rodgers' team. And I'm not sure he's the leader that's going to carry you for 10 years. So still a good deal because the dude's got one of the most impressive arms in NFL history, but seven and a half. Okay, gotcha. So uh, it, interesting. that was an interesting Packers team that won the Super Bowl. They were the sixth seed. They, on, they, they uh, only made the playoffs on a tiebreaker. The Giants, <laughs> the Giants and the Bucks were both 10 and 6 that year. Same record as the Packers. The Packers got in on the fourth tiebreaker being strength of schedule. Oddly enough, same year, seven and nine Seattle Seahawks made the playoffs. Hosted. season, yeah. So, hosted the first round game. Hosted there. the yeah. first round beast quake run. So anyway, okay, all right. Next one. Um, this guy was twenty five at the time. <clears throat> had just led his team to a thirteen and three record, and was sort of beginning to see um, his ceiling. Matt Ryan, one to ten. Oh, you go first, Logan. Yeah, it's hard for me to remember Matty Ice. Um, I do remember him being a big deal back then, um, but it's hard to me. It's hard for me to remember his stock, and it, mainly I put it in the realm of fantasy. He had a year or two where he was a good quarterback for fantasy purposes, um, but it's it's. I mean, at least Aaron Rodgers at the point was at that point. You could say he's probably the best quarterback in football. I'm not sure I ever felt that way about Matt Ryan. So handing him a ten year deal at that point. Um, he was young enough, but I don't think he was the guy to do it. So I'd give it a five. Oh, Chris, that's richer than me. I was going to give it about a two. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I don't know. I never, I, I probably still don't even think of Matt Ryan as necessarily an elite quarterback. Uh, I just think he has pretty good talent. Julio Jones, one of the top three receivers in the game. Uh, I just think he has pretty good talent around him as far as that goes. So I would have put it at two. It would have worked out. I mean, he's t- ten years later. Okay. I mean, he's still a, a bona fide number one quarterback. Like, no questions asked. So it would have worked out. But at the time, I would have been like probably a two as far as optimistic there. Okay, he in that time frame, three MVPs, one first team All Pro, four seasons of ten plus wins, should have won a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan. Yeah. Three MVPs. No, 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 three, three Pro Bowls. My bad. Okay, Sorry. I was like, he didn't I, I, was, win an MVP. I was pulling up the Google machine. I was like, man, Sorry. I, I realized three, Matt Ryan. three Pro Bowls. Oh, I mean, Vince Young made a Pro Bowl during that time. I think maybe. Andy Dalton. Okay, three. Here's here's the next one. This one's interesting. No, the third really guy not. that would have third best shot was Joe Flacco at the time. Here's why. Chris is making a face, but here's the thing. 
Joe Flacco had had two deep playoff runs in his first two seasons. He had already beaten, uh, you know, Brady in a playoff game. The, uh, the had led the team to several, um, again, deep playoff runs in 12, 12 win seasons. Uh, did he lead him or did the defense lead him? He was the quarterback when it happened. They still somehow say Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. And they also say Tom Brady's the best quarterback ever. So just saying. He is, but whatever. Um, no, Flacco? Matt Ryan, Flacco's getting a solid uh, 0.5 to 1 for me. <laughs> um, you know, you say his team made deep runs in the playoffs. And in his first two years, he had five playoff games. And in those five playoff games, he completed 46% of his passes and had one touchdown on six interceptions. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody, nobody looked at that team and thought, Oh, Flacco's a stud. We gotta, we gotta lock this guy up. Um, they could have put turd Ferguson in there at quarterback and still made the same runs in the playoffs. So I don't think at that point, if I remember right, nobody was thinking Flacco deserved a 10 year deal. I I agree. I'm just saying he would have been the third most likely person at the time. All right. Next. The Sanchez. I I don't get a hit on Flacco too. Come on, man. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. It, here's the thing with Flacco. He actually got paid, and nobody thought it was a good idea once he got paid. So, therefore, I, and that was only like a five-year deal with an out after three years. So, uh, yeah, I, zero, what Logan said. That's Not a fair. Flacco guy. Three, three ten-win seasons, zero Pro Bowls, <laughs> which is pretty sad given how easy it is to make the Pro Bowl. Um, however, he did have possibly the best playoff run by any quarterback ever in 2011 or 2012 bizarre um next quarterback mark sanchez 23 at the time um again like flacco two long playoff runs again led by the defense he was 23 and people were high on him he had a couple big throws to braylon edwards in the playoffs and people thought he was incredible um Scale of one to ten. I think we all know where this will go. Chris, hit this one first. I know you're gonna um, talk about him. This one actually I thought he should have been higher than Flacco. Uh really? I think I think at this time Sanchez would have been more highly regarded. Because at that point I think you knew what Flacco was. He's a guy that's could lose you games. He ain't gonna win you any games. I think Sanchez, I mean, I feel like right up until the butt fumble, it just <laughs> uh he uh he kind of had some promise to him. Uh, I don't know if it was just the USC, like people remember in those days, and just think. And he came in and they started winning with the Jets. So I'm not sure. I would have ranked him a little higher, so maybe a two, uh, but not a maybe one and a half, one and a half to two. One and a half. Like yeah, he doesn't have definitely doesn't have the arm talent like Mahomes does. So no, yeah. nobody ever called Joe Flacco the Sanchez. Um, so there was definitely a time when even Jets fans, one of the hardest fan bases in the NFL to, to please, um, uh, appreciated what, what Mark Sanchez was doing. Got an um, awesome mustache, the dirty Sanchez there. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, the butt fumble became the butt fumble because fans and, and everybody had already turned on him. I mean, people at that point had already realized like this dude is what he is. He is a butt fumble icon. Um, so yeah, I don't think Sanchez was, was getting any sort of 10 year special, you know, biggest contract in sports history kind of thing, but was he more likely than Flacco? I don't know. I mean, 
Flacco did have success. Sanchez at that point was just kind of like, ah, eh, he could be something good. Um, you know, the team could have success with him. So, if, if you know, Flacco's stats even coming into 2011 were way better than Sanchez's. He had a you know a couple seasons of 21, 12, 25, and 10, throwing for 3,600 yards. Um, Sanchez was you know 12 touchdowns, 20 picks. 17-13, he was, uh, again, both would have been terrible, terrible decisions, but that's where we were. All right, this next one, I was it was really interesting just diving through through this season. Our boy Josh Freeman. Now, one of my favorite terrible jerseys is my Dreamsicle Bucks Josh Freeman jersey. <laughs> Coming out of 2010, the Bucks were 10-6. and six. Our boy threw 25 touchdowns and six picks, 3,400 yards, five fourth quarter comebacks, game winning drives that year. Um, Josh Freeman's stock was awfully high. Um, and then it just hit a cliff. He was only 22 at the time as well. So um, I think we all know one to 10, this is going to be about as bad as our boy uh, Sanchez, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, definitely not good. Um, I mean, guy had a decent season, but he wasn't even putting up Andy Dalton numbers at that point. So we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on from Josh Freeman. Uh, whatever happened to him? Like Andy Dalton or I Josh Freeman? No, Josh Freeman. He, he's one, I saw him. I had never. I hadn't thought of him in forever, and I saw him on this outline, and I was like, he did have that one good year, and then he just completely disappeared. Well, he had another Basically. good one, 20, 2012, 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 17 picks. I'll tell you what happened to him was Greg Schiano. Remember how oh. he lied? Like he made up stuff about how he was a bad that human. That is right. Yeah. Schiano. Yeah. R- Rutgers coach Greg Schiano. So that's what happened to Josh Freeman. Anyway, uh, go back. According, according to Wikipedia in 2018, Josh Freeman was a practice player for the Montreal Alouettes. Shout out Adam York. So his last time, his last stint in the NFL, he was uh, with the Colts in 2015. Uh, took a three-year break and then went to Montreal as a practice player. Josh Freeman, we miss you. Uh, we'll skip past this last one. The last young guy who was possibly going to do it, Sam Bradford was only 23. He was the rookie of the year that year, sort of by default. Was just not a great season um, for for that. Um, the Rams scale of one to ten. Uh, Sam Bradford's made out of glass. So again, disastrous decision. Logan. Yeah, yeah, terrible decision there. Um, somehow Bradford continued to get paid his whole career. So as we yeah. mentioned before the podcast, like mm-hmm. dude must have been one hell of a practice player because he kept signing big contracts. But I, I might have had him number three on the list. I don't like, know, man. He, like he not very present day, success. but I'm just saying, like at the time. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was going by. You think he would have been I, third? I, I think his his upside was higher than anybody else on that list outside the top two. I, think, I, I like. would agree. I would agree. So yeah, as far as that goes, it would have turned out terrible. It would have been a god awful contract, but I would have felt a little more confident than I would have against Flacco, Sanchez, or Freeman. So interesting. So the, the first two guys, what good decisions for those franchises, and it, they didn't sign to ten year deals. But those guys have been the starters for a decade. Same for Flacco; he was a starter for nearly a decade, and somehow the Ravens got a Super Bowl out of it. Uh, other three guys flamed out. Now what's interesting. The I'll go through this list a little more quickly. There were some guys that were too old to get a ten year deal. Um, that would have been pretty good 
decisions. All right, so the three guys that were probably too old, I'm going to put them all together with a class of 04 quarterbacks. Roethlisberger was 28, Rivers 29, Eli 29. Um, all those guys still started for a decade. Um, I'd like you all to rank those guys in order of how good or bad his decision would have been. Roethlisberger, Rivers, Eli. Um, they all would have worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I'd probably put Roethlisberger one, Eli two, and Rivers three because yeah, I gotta hate on Philip Rivers. Uh, any chance I get, fair. So, another two, those two quarterbacks have rings, Roethlisberger and Eli, and Indeed Rivers do. doesn't hasn't come close really. For being honest, no, no, he won AFC Championship game when he tore his ACL. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely. Think? Yeah, I think it's definitely the ranking there, Roethlisberger, Eli, and then Rivers. Um, that's not hating on Rivers. That's just, sorry, Rivers, you haven't produced in the postseason. Um, He's produced in the bedroom, though. Whoa! <laughs> well, he got like nine kids or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I also wonder, too, like, what do the Steelers look like if they're paying Roethlisberger 20% of their cap, you know? Do they have the receiving core? Do they have the running backs? Well, the receiving core, yeah. Do they have the Steelers defense? always have receivers. Um, yeah, you know. So, what does that team look like if you know the the team is structured in such a way that they're they're paying Big Ben what they are? Um, I I think you're going to see the Mahomes contract have a benefit to the Chiefs because they have cost certainty with Mahomes. They know exactly what he's going to count mm-hmm. for ten years, and you can account for that. Other than outside of a guy, you're like, okay, I'll let this guy hit free agency, and then I'll tag him, but eventually I got to sign him. There's some uncertainty there, so at least the Chiefs know, hey, this is their number this year. So, true. There's some benefit there. All right. Um, I think I would go for the same order. I am a noted Roethlisberger hater, but um, I, I think he would over the decade would have given a better chance to win the other few guys. Same order. I agree. The last wild card there, his stock was really high, but I'm, I'm we don't even really need to talk about him because he was coming off a season where he was injured, so he would not have gotten it. it. Was Tony Romo? He was 29 at the time, but showing a super high ceiling. But he was coming off an injury year, so it was a non-starter. Would not have happened. Uh, lastly, the three best quarterbacks in the league. Well, Rogers is probably the best in the league, but the other three guys that were always mentioned as you know all timers in this era. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, two old get ten year contracts. Was Brees in New Orleans at that point? Yeah, he he'd won a Super okay. Bowl in '09. Okay. So so he had a, a really high you know '06 '09 he'd flashed super high ceiling, especially winning the Super Bowl in 2009. You know Brady was coming off he was hurt '08 he had a bad '09 he went right back to well actually yeah 2010 was sort of his first coming back as as who he was he had a really good season. Um, Peyton has, was the, this was the first year before he had neck problems. He missed the whole next season. Um, but again, the three guys that have played quarterback about as well as anybody's ever played the position. So Brady, there's, there's, you wouldn't get, would you wouldn't give a 10 year contract to a 33 year old guy? Right. But of course it would have been a 10 out of 10 decision. What do y'all think? Would have worked. Uh, yeah. Breeze would have worked great too. Absolutely. Breeze would have worked better. I feel like. Uh, Peyton would have been a disaster. The Colts, <laughs> Colts yes. got a break on that one. Uh, being able to move on, move on to Andrew Luck, even though he did retire at like age twenty-seven, but uh, some Peyton bad was, luck on that one. But Peyton was thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked out really good for the Colts. That 
He had 2.8 good seasons left in him. <laughs> Man, that cap hit would have been yeah, devastating. Disastrous. All right. Um, I, just interesting there. The guys that definitely would have worked out, We I think we all agree, Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger. Ryan. Ryan, Rivers, and Eli. And, the, and it happened. Those guys have all played for 10 years, which seems like an yeah. awful lot of quarterbacks to stay with one franchise for that long. Um, real quick, before we move on, we know Brady's first on this. I want you all to guess who has the most playoff wins in that time frame. Okay, Pat, post-2010, 2011 season to now. Among this group, who has the most playoff wins? It's either I go Eli. Logan? I'm going to go with... You guys have a good guess. Um, Roethlisberger. Okay. Eli is tied for fourth with four. First, tied for first, Aaron Rodgers with six. <laughs> Joe Flacco with six. Next, Peyton Manning with five. Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, only four playoff wins since then. That's it. Again, big reason I'm a Roethlisberger hater. Since 2011, three playoff wins. That's all. And then your boy Phil Rivers and Tony Romo with two. And then, of course, Freeman and Sanchez, they they don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just assume Roethlisberger wins the first round wild card game pretty much every year, but... No, no, he no. flames out. They've won <laughs> three. They've won three playoff games in a decade. That's it. Well, and America cheers for it. Um, something America may or may not have been cheering for, guys. Cam Newton decided to sign with the New England Patriots at a deal worth. Drum roll, please. Uh, base salary about a million dollars. Signed a one-year deal with the Patriots, potentially worth as much as seven and a half million. Um, but that base salary is just over a million dollars. Several people came out and said they were mad about the contract, but obviously Cam signed it for a reason. Um, Cam also came out and uh, two days ago decided that he needed to let everybody know, "quote I'm getting tired of being humble." Uh, Hickman. <laughs> When you think of Cam Newton, how how humble of a guy do you think of? Um, that is not the first adjective that comes to mind. <laughs> I like I like Cam Newton. Um, you know the whole Superman thing pulling up and he's he's never been a humble guy. He sort of knows knows who he is physically. Um, that's funny. I didn't hear, I didn't hear that, but that's not <laughs> that's not the first thing that comes to mind with Cam. Yeah, he he posted that one on the old Instagram there. Um. Getting tired of being humble. Chris, for $1 million, should the Titans have signed Cam Newton? No. <laughs> no. That'd been a disaster. I, I'm all in on Tannehill. Uh, like, all in. I mean, you Tana can even look at Derrick Henry, Derek Henry's numbers uh, with Mariota and then with Tannehill. They're, they're completely different. Uh, I'm all in on Tannehill. I don't. Cam would just been a distraction because you have a controversy there, at quarterback. Uh, yeah. I, no, I don't want him. Plus, I think Cam's washed. I'm like the last right. two. The last it was the last two seasons he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, last year he just looked. He looked completely out of it. Like when he did play, it wasn't much that he did play. Uh, 
So I think he's actually washed. Wouldn't surprise me if Stidham starts more games than Cam does this year. Yeah, so if we set the over-under on Cam starts this year at four, are you taking the over or the under, Chris? Hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I feel like he's if he's on the team, he has to start because he's not going to be a backup. I mean, that's <laughs> no. that's not going to work out. Uh, and because his base salary is only a million dollars, I mean, I don't think the Patriots care if they eat that money. So I might go under because I think they could cut him if, if Stidham uh, looks good. Plus, you have the abbreviated offseason, so... Stidham at least knows the offense that Belichick and McDaniels want to run. Uh, I mean, I think people are saw Cam Newton and see, and see the name instead of the actual production right now. So I'm going to go under. I don't think it's going to work out in New England. Uh, part of that could be me just hoping hoping that's the case. <laughs> Hickman, I know you're hoping for some success there in New England with Cam. Uh, over under four starts for Cam. I think it's over. I think this is going to be one of those like – Again, abbreviated offseason. It's going to be a, a weird year if it happens. Um, and I think um, we may see some sort of strange slow it down offense out of New England. Let the defense, you know, turn, turn it old school, sort of like their 2018 team that won the Super Bowl um, with Cam and a dialed down offense. running backs. Yeah. Yeah, and he is still an imposing guy. I mean, he's not the same guy that ran over you in 2015, but, I mean, Cam on a linebacker is still pretty good odds. Um, something that was not pretty good odds, the NBA deciding to hole up uh, in a giant bubble there at Walt Disney World in Orlando, and you would have thought the NBA would have been bringing in the world's best chefs, the world's best food, and the first night in the bubble, some NBA players decided to tweet out and, and hit up the Instagram uh, on what they were being served. Chris, um, how would you feel about being a $20 million a year player eating NBA bubble food right now? Um, I would be opting out ASAP. Uh, <laughs> I think LeBron took care of the Lakers because I saw his Taco Tuesday uh, Instagram uh uh, that's because the Lakers hadn't shown up to the bubble yet. Oh, okay. So that Never was mind his, then. That was his response of all the players that were posting the bad food. Yeah. And him was kind of flexing on, well, this is what the Lakers are eating. <laughs> I got you. Uh, yeah, I saw that and I was just, it looked like hospital food. Uh, I, I saw it and I'm just like, nope, not going to happen. I mean, it was like cafeteria. I mean, yeah, like in every, every food was individually like packaged. It was... It looked terrible. I mean, these, I mean it, was, these, it was even on one of those hospital trays, man. This is worse than uh, Donald Trump hosting the NCAA champions. <laughs> it was a worse spread than that. So, Let's see how much is left. The NBA gets an F for that, and and it's Disney World. I can't imagine what Disney World is charging the NBA for that. Oh, well, if the NBA is getting an F, Hickman, I don't know if you saw uh, the MLS has also decided they're going to start their their season back with an MLS tournament also in Orlando, also at Walt Disney world. Um, and their players were tweeting out their pictures of their food. And it was literally white bread sandwiches and basically a bag of chips. Like it was even worse than what the NBA is getting served. Um, who's getting the worst rep on this, the, the leagues or Walt Disney world. Uh, it's going to be the leagues, but I think Walt Disney world deserves some shade. <laughs> I mean, you know, those got, they've got the turkey legs in there. 
You know, you know, they could open up Epcot Center and Epcot. I didn't even say that correctly. Sound like my son there. Epcot Center and uh, you know, roll out all the delicacies from all over the world. There's some mouse-shaped pancakes somewhere that somebody needs. So, um, come on, Disney, do better. Yeah, I mean, even if you let these players that are used to having their own personal chefs, like, can the chefs not join the bubble? I mean. You basically bring your yeah. wife, your two kids, and I like agree. a chef or two per team. Like I don't understand not, yeah. why it has to be so bad, um, but it is. So, speaking of the NBA, guys, Vince Carter has officially retired. Um, everybody assumed this was coming. I don't know if you guys saw his last game before COVID. It was the Rudy Gobert stuff was kind of leaking out that night. Um, and the Mavs were playing. I think he, he ended up with the Mavs, right? The Hawks. The Hawks, sorry. Um, so the Hawks were playing the late game that night. There's about 20 seconds left to go in the game, and people start realizing, like, this is probably going to be it. Um, so a couple of the players actually leaned over to the coach. Vince was still in his warm-ups on the bench. They put him in. Dude nails a three at the buzzer um, at that point and kind of just shrugged his shoulders because I think at that point everybody kind of knew, like, Vince Carter's, you know, this this is it. His 22-year run in the NBA is done. Uh, Chris, what's going to be your favorite Vince Carter memory? Well, it has to be dunking over the French guy in the Olympics, yes. man. Yes. Uh, that, that, I think uh, when, it, when it became official that he was retired, that the Hawks weren't going to make the bubble, uh, I, I, somebody tweeted that, and I saw it pop up on my t- timeline. And I, I, I probably watched that. 20 times over and over just at awe of him doing that. Like it was just, it's almost like I'd forgot what it was. Like I'd forgotten that. Uh, I got a close second, but I'll let Hickman give me his. So mine was that dunk contest. Okay. That was my in his other career. one. Yeah. Like, Steve, like I was thinking one thing, I remember watching that and like he and Steve Francis put on a show. Like, oh, I mean, he saved the dunk contest. Well, Francis was pretty fun that year too. But yeah, Vince was insane. Like he was on a elbow, different, different was, level. The elbow through and all that stuff. Like I liked Vince Carter. Um, I remember thinking like he always shot too many threes, and I wish he wouldn't shoot so many threes. And I went back and looked like he was a forty percent three point shooter his second and third <laughs> year in the season. I mean, so maybe he was ahead of the curve. I mean, he was legit doing that, and he could get to the rim. I mean. 05, I'm looking at it now. He averaged 27 and a half for the Nets, which I, you know, don't really think about him being that prolific with the Nets at that point in time. Averaged 27 for the Nets. And this is staggering 42 and a half percent from three that year. That's nuts. Vince was, Vince was a baller. So, uh, good job, Vince. Way to hang on 22 seasons. Yeah, Vince Vince was amazing. Um, yeah, for me, it's always going to be that dunk over the Frenchie, the seven foot dude, uh, where, where where Vince just rose up in the middle of nowhere and uh, posterized the guy. But uh, in reading about about Vince Carter, I am I don't know if I just forgot about this, but I mean there are a lot of Canadians who basically say Canadian basketball is a thing because of Vince Carter. Oh yeah, um, for sure. You know so. Well done, Vince. 22 years uh, for an athletic dude like him to last 22 years is pretty amazing. Yeah, um, so so good for him. And uh, a player that's just starting their career, five-star big man, Maker, uh, Thon Maker's younger brother, 
uh, he could have committed to Kentucky, could have committed to UCLA, uh, could have committed anywhere in the country he wanted to, Oregon. Um, he had it narrowed down to several schools. Dude committed to a school that won four games last year, and he is going to Howard. Um, he took one official visit, and it was to Howard. Supposedly, he's loved it the whole time. A lot of people think that maybe some of the uh, what's going on um, you know, nationally right now with some of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and politics and things like that may have shaped this. But evidently the dude just loved Howard from the beginning. Um, Chris, what's your what's your take on a, you know, top ten high school prospect going to a school like Howard? Um, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, it's kind of nice seeing a, a big prospect. Uh Western Kentucky's kind of a school, not not a historically black school, but uh Stansbury uh, had some had some studs go there, five stars, and that they didn't work out well. But uh, I think it's also pretty. There's probably fifty fifty if he even steps foot on Howard's campus, uh, if we're being honest about it. Uh, so, I mean, it's nice that he committed to Howard. I I have my doubts that he actually plays a game. Uh, but it's, I think it'd be good for college basketball. It may not be good for him because I don't think there's any upside. If you're a stud, you're supposed to be a stud at that level. And if you stumble, you stumble pretty far. So, I mean, I think it's a risk, but I'm not going to hate on the kid for it. So, Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you're right. I mean, I think most people have assumed all along, even Kentucky fans when he was considering Kentucky, of this guy's probably a, he's going straight to the league or going to the G League route kind of thing if, um, if they don't let you go straight to the league. But, um I mean, like I said, he did take one official visit, and it was to Howard. Um, I hope it works out for him. Uh, Hickman, what, what are your thoughts there on on a player as good as this guy going to a school like Howard? I mean, I was trying to think of of. I mean, obviously, uh, the first thing that comes to mind of a player that good. Now he wasn't a highly rated recruit, but you know, Larry Bird at Indiana State. When was the last time that somebody just that incredible, you know, that big of a deal is playing at that small of a school? Um, Curry at Davidson, but again, he wasn't a huge. He was like a two-star recruit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. This is like bona fide big time. I mean, p- players develop into that. John ja Morant, also, I guess, more recently. But um, no, it was kind of it's kind of cool. And like you said, he may never set foot on the campus, but uh, could be interesting. College basketball needs stories to survive, and this is one. So, yeah, um, I mean, part of the, part of the reason why I assume it's not just a publicity stunt. The dude committed at like four in the morning Eastern time. Uh, it wasn't some, you know, yeah. 5 p.m. ESPN type thing uh, when, when the guy committed. It definitely wasn't like, I don't know if you guys saw, um, Michigan State signed the number one player in 2022. 22, yeah. Uh, Imani, Imani Bates. Bates. Yeah. Supposedly is, you know, the best high school prospect since LeBron. And during his signing ceremony, he basically said, uh, today I commit to Michigan State, but I don't know yet what the future holds. Um, so it wasn't exactly a resounding commitment to, yeah, to, the, to the school he just signed with. Uh, I mean, with the G League guaranteeing guys like 500000 uh, it's it's hard for a top guy to go to college, to be honest. So, yeah. You understand yeah. it. So, but I mean, in basketball is one of those sports where one player can make a huge difference. So, uh, if Mr. Maker goes to Howard, uh, I would expect big things. I expect, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of publicity and a lot of ESPN time there. So hope it works out for him. 
Um, Chris, we got some baseball stuff going on here. Going into this season, the Braves had the fourth best odds to win it all. Supposedly, the whole team has decided that they are not going to play now. Um, the whole team's some... a little, I mean, a little <laughs> exaggeration there. Well, considering I know like three players and two of them are, have decided not to play, uh, that seems to be like the whole team to me. There's been some... That's about it. No, who was the other one? Um, a guy just recently. Um, For the Braves? Really, yeah, who's really good. Just decided he wasn't playing or... Um, uh, Felix Hernandez, the guy that's making $1 million on a show-me deal because he had like a 6 ERA with the Mariners last year. Was that the guy? Is that the guy? Yeah, he's not any good. So Well, I know who, he was good at one point because I know who he, he is. He was. He was uh, great. He's only 33, but he, uh, he came to the big leagues and pitched like 200 innings at age 19, which is unheard of. So his arm's essentially shot. Um. But there have been some tweets going on, Chris. What's going on with baseball these days? Yeah, so we were making fun of baseball for a while there. Uh, Logan's been making fun of baseball for about 48 episodes. <laughs> uh, Hickman's <laughs> not far behind him on that one. Uh, Just but, do the job. but during this whole pandemic thing, uh, the owners and the players were seeing who could be more petty. And the players had a bright idea where they were going to all tweet out when and where telling the owners to tell us when and where and we'll, we'll show up and play where we want to play. Well, now's the time to show up and play. And now you have players left and right being like, yeah, I think I'm going to opt out of this one. Uh, I mean, King Felix, you kind of mentioned him. He, he's making a million dollars. So, I mean, he's essentially because they've already got paid like a certain percentage of their salaries. He would have basically been playing for free the rest of the year. So at 33, I think he was wise to shut it down and trying to, Get his arm fresh for next year. Marcakis, he's only making like $4 million. So you prorate it out. I mean, he might have been making a million dollars from what he's already been paid. Uh, So you have a lot of guys like that that are opting out. Uh, David Price, he was actually making big money, but he's he's made over $200 million for his career. So uh, he opted out. These opt-outs are just kind of, I don't know. I understand why a player would opt-out, but at the same time, if you're going to opt-out, why would you tweet when and where uh, less than a month ago? Uh, makes a little sense. So. Oh, I Baseball's know. Baseball's still kicking themselves in the balls. Because baseball players are a bunch of pansies. That's why, Chris. <laughs> they're, they're, they're that kid in high school, when and where you want to fight, and then you pick a place and you show up, and like, oh, sorry, man, I had detention, got held over after class, couldn't make it. Um <laughs> You have a lot players. of those experiences, Logan. <laughs> I, I was always showing up, and nobody else was there to meet me. So, you know, it's man, saved, it's saved a lot of beatdowns there in Berea, Kentucky, when people didn't show up. Chris, you and I may have missed a bunch of fights with Logan. We didn't even know it. <laughs> I, I know <laughs> these three-inch biceps are vicious. You just got to watch out. Um, but I'll tell you who is the absolute worst, Mister Bryson DeChambeau. Um, guy won the tournament this past weekend, but at one point hit a bad shot, um, decided to chuck a club in the bunker. There are no fans anywhere. So the guy who's the cameraman who's following Mr. DeChambeau does what he's supposed to do. Oh, this grown ass man's throwing a temper tantrum. I'm going to film it. So he follows DeChambeau up to the green as he's throwing his temper tantrum. DeChambeau, you know, waits a couple seconds, then turns around and starts berating this camera guy as to why would you do this? You are the worst human in the world. Let you should let golfers cool down. This is ridiculous. Um, 
And at least the guy understands what everybody thinks of him because he started his post-round press conference again, a tournament that he won by stating, listen, I know a lot of people don't like me, but um, the dude's just the worst. Hickman is their worst player on tour right now. Uh, you're asking the wrong guy based on <laughs> your – I know nothing about golfers. Based on your uh, assessment and statements there, yeah, he's awful. Not interested in that guy. Bryson. Bryson. Uh, I mean, what kind of name is Bryson DeChambeau? Um, Cajun? Chris, Chris you're, you're a big golf guy. Uh, nobody likes Bryson, correct? That would be correct. Uh, I don't think Bryson likes Bryson, for being honest. <laughs> Uh, he wear he wears a ridiculous hat. It looks hideous. Oh, I forgot about the hat. He wears one of those old school hats, Hickman, that, like buttons in the in the front. Like, look, I'm yeah. looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, you'll look it up and you'll be like, like oh my god, Bagger Vance type hat. Yes, he he went he he's gained about 50 pounds in the last calendar year. He's no trying to training. bulk up. He's drinking like seven protein shakes a day. He drinks four protein shakes during his round. Uh, he's I mean, just. Chris, the dude supposedly gained like almost 30 pounds of muscle during COVID. Yeah, supposedly. That's why Brooks Kapka had a little steroids jab at him on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, That was kind of funny. Uh, Bryson, he plays slow. He's very unorthodox. Uh, All of his his irons are the same length for my goodness sakes. Even to those wedges. His wedges is like a six iron length or seven iron length. Uh, and his wedge game's awful right now, and I wonder, I wonder why it's awful. I mean, trying to hit a six iron length. Uh, he has an ugly swing as far as it's just his arms are straight. It looks like he's waddling when he swings. Uh, he's not a fun guy. He's as much as I'm bashing on him right now. He right now he's probably playing the best golf in the world. Uh, he's mashing the ball. He's hitting a 350 consistently, uh, and it's semi down the middle. Like it's it's uncanny how accurate he is right now uh but he is dreadful to watch he's so slow and the camera got falling around he, he made 1.3 million dollars this weekend he made 1.3 million dollars because that camera is falling him around uh that's <laughs> mm-hmm. why he's making the money uh he's just a petulant child that's very spoiled brat kind of comes off as a spoiled brat very much so very very much so um, if you want to find some more spoiled brats, Twitter has been a fun place as of late. Twitter is where I go for sports and there have been no sports. So there has not been a ton of time of myself on Twitter. Um, but rumor has it, uh, much to Darren Rovell's, um, happiness and glee. Twitter appears to be moving to a subscription model. Hegman, how much per month would you pay for Twitter? Um, none. I would pay none dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not is, interested. I would. Is, I would not pay a nickel for it. Is there any social media you would be willing to pay for? I would not pay for any social media. No. Yeah, I'm, I've got to be yeah. with you on that. I mean, it's they, they have my data. They should pay me. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, you make enough money on all my clicks, Chris. Mm-hmm. How much are you paying for Twitter? I'm not. Oh. Uh, as you said, I mean, I I have Twitter for sports, and sports Twitter right now is just a dumpster fire. Uh, it's it's not enjoyable. I went about a week with it completely off my phone, uh, re-downloaded it, and I, I may get on there like twice a day. 
and that's about it. And if there was sports going on, I, I might pay like I don't know, ninety nine cents or something, or dollar ninety nine. I don't know. One of those that I don't even notice it on my bank statement kind of thing. Uh, outside of that, I anything more than two or three dollars, I'm out. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't need any uh, any social media. I've got to pay for. Uh, the only thing that may get me is there may be a, a month or two during fantasy football season that I might pay a dollar or something per month to get all the all the you know live updates and stuff on Twitter. But uh, and guys, last thing we got for tonight, the Ivy League came out today and they have decided that there will be no fall sports. Chris, is this the first domino or is this just the Ivy League being the Ivy League? Um, can this be both? Both? <laughs> I mean, uh, they were the first ones to cancel the basketball season. It's so. definitely the Ivy League being the Ivy League. They they they're not making money off sports, uh, and those college presidents are like, they're it's not worth the risk to them. Um, other colleges, uh, football is worth the risk to them because that's their entire athletic budget right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I've always been pretty pretty firm when I say. Football is going to happen. It may be in the spring, but football will happen. Other sports be damned. Uh, and also with the Ivy League, apparently there's like mixed conflicting reports. Some people are like, oh, we're going to try to have sports in the spring, like push the fall sports to the spring. But those Ivy League schools, they like share the same facilities, the same fields. Uh, a lot of the fields don't have lighting. Uh, it's kind of bizarre. Uh, so... I, I don't think it's going to work. I just think they're just not having, not having fall, and it'll in, eventually be winter sports too. And it's uh, it's a little bit easier for the Ivy League, like you said. Their scheduling is quite a bit different. I mean, like their basketball season, all the schools play on the same night of the week. Um, you know, all they expect all their athletes to go to class. They don't want to be traveling, all that kind of stuff. So, like their schedules are, they can basically be independent of everybody. You know, they're not playing the SEC schools and that kind of stuff. So. Uh, it's a little bit easier for them, I think, to to say no. But they were the first ones to cancel the basketball season, um, and everybody else quickly followed suit. Like you mentioned, liability is the thing everybody's scared of. And if all of a sudden they say, hey, all these smart guys in the Ivy League said it wasn't safe to play, and yet you said it was okay to play, and then I got this virus and you know, whatever. So Don't all the Ivy League schools have like like a minimum $20 billion endowment? Yes. They're going to be fine. Well, I don't know if you saw. And Harvard's still charging 50 k for online. Speaking of that, Stanford's what Logan's about to say, I think. Uh, Uh, No, I was actually going to say several Ivy League schools received um, small business loans. I don't know if you saw that this week. (laughs) (laughs) They literally have bigger endowments than any other institution in the world, and they receive small business loans. A loan. Oh, my gosh. That's so irresponsible. They got a 1% loan. I think you're going to talk about Stanford. They had something like uh, they're dropping 11 sports, and I think their endowments, uh, it, it's in the $20 billion range. Uh, and people were complaining about it, and I'm just like, oh, they did have 36. So they, there's like a cup for the most championships or something like that. It's like the Capital One Cup. Yeah, it's something like that. And Stanford's won it for X amount of years, and it's not because they're good. It's because they just have more sports than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, they are really good at the Olympic sports, but yes, they just play more sports than everybody else. It's 36, yeah. And the minimum, I think, 16 for Division I teams or schools. 
So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Kentucky had an issue uh, this past week. They've been doing Zoom calls with some of their hired, higher-end higher, uh, higher donors uh, where basically they've told them for football and basketball they expect a maximum of 50% capacity. And so they're basically trying to operate with that number. Um, I don't – I mean, for a school like Kentucky, that's basically saying all of our season ticket holders get a seat. Nobody else does. Um, I don't know how that works in basketball, an indoor-type place. Um, yeah. Or any school that has more than fifty percent of their capacity that has season ticket, you know, holders. Um, but that's kind of the operating that they're they're operating on. I think college football is going to play this fall. South South Carolina came out there. The AD at South Carolina said fifteen thousand would be the max they would have for football this year. Uh, hmm. And I don't I don't know how many seventy seventy thousand maybe fit in South Carolina Stadium. Sounds about I right. I don't yeah. know something like that, but. Uh, yeah, they expected fifteen thousand uh, to be the number. So, I think that'll be across the board, something like that. In my opinion, they should just students only. Uh, that that would be what I would do. Uh, uh, Chris, did you see um, one of the major league baseball teams? The Rockies, uh, ten thousand fans. No, this one was. Oh. You could buy season tickets, and by buying a season ticket, what they were doing is they were going to make a cardboard cutout of you in your seat. Oh, yeah. And if a foul ball hit your cardboard cutout, they would send it to you. That's pretty, <laughs> That's pretty neat. Good. Yeah. So, like the highest, like the the most expensive tickets aren't the ones like you know, uh, they're where all the foul balls get hit. They're not necessarily or home runs and stuff. It's not necessarily the best seats. Um, but yeah, so like when they actually film the game, there'll be all these cardboard cutouts of people in the stands. And then if your cardboard cutout gets hit with a foul ball or a home run or whatever, you they'll send the ball to you. Might have to get on Google and check this out. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw it was like 80 bucks or something. I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. Um, good deal there. So you have a kid. Yeah. You know, I'd have a picture of me putting you in a in a headlock, you know, giving you a noogie and stuff. Um well, guys, this has been episode 48 of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts. We'll come back to you next week. We may have a few stories of some shenanigans where we get together this weekend and, and see what's going, how we can get off the rails going straight middle school. Um, but episode 49 is coming to you next week. Hope you enjoyed this week. If you got anything you want us to talk about, anything you uh, need answered, feel free to hit us up on the, on the Facebooks, on the tweeters. We'll be there because we're not going to be square. As Cole Huffman likes to say, if you drink, don't drive, do the watermelon crawl. See you later.